Can Utah beat Cal, UCLA, USC, and Oregon? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Don't miss a chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $2,500 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. As I said, my name is JT Wistersil, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And on today's show, we're going to be diving into more Utah schedule talk. That was something we hit on last week with the game times for four of Utah's five first games. The times were announced. We touched on the Florida game, the Baylor game, Weber State game, and also the Oregon State game. I had made a mistake on last week's show. I had just kind of forgotten because those were the four times that were released. I had forgotten that the UCLA game is actually in front of the Oregon State game. So we're going to be previewing those next four games up, which will have to be the UCLA game since we missed that one last night. Then we'll get into Cal, USC, and Oregon with two of those games obviously being huge for Utah's season. Obviously, the USC and Oregon game could be two of the most pivotal games the team plays in but versus recapping what we did last time so i did predict utah to beat florida i also predicted utah to beat baylor so i do predict utah to get off to a good start i might have on last week's show I'm, I'm still going back and forth on the baylor game that is the one i'm like the most up in the air about about how uh utah will fare in that one but so as of right now gonna go two and zero start to the season with a good win against florida a tough road win against baylor too fall to Weber State, and then I did have them losing going to Oregon State Corvallis. A little bit of a short week for them coming off that. uh, They'll play UCLA on Saturday. We're going to talk about that matchup in a moment, and then they'll have to go Friday. They'll have to travel to Corvallis to take on Oregon State, which is going to be a very tough game for the team with just Jonathan Smith and the level they have that program operating at right now. But as I mentioned, so overall, Utah off to a pretty good start, but let's go back to that UCLA game that I originally missed. So Saturday, September 23rd is when the Utes are going to be taking on the Bruins. And this is a UCLA team too, that comes in to Salt Lake, September 23rd. The last time they came out to Salt Lake, it did not go very well for them. They got blitzed by the Utes. This is the Utah team that was rolling at the time but last year they did manage to get utah utah really struggled with dorian thompson robinson zach charbonnet in particular but they won't struggle with those guys this year because they're both off to the nfl and also is jake bobo their top receiver so top quarterback running back and receiver gone which bobo was definitely a top 10 pack 12 receiver very well could be top five i could hear the argument for that um dorian thompson robin was definitely still a top five quarterback in the pack 12 last year which uh I mean, the conference is loaded, so maybe you can make an argument he's not, but he's a really strong quarterback, and Charbonnet, arguably the best back in the conference last season, right? So those are three massive pieces they have to replace when they travel out to Rice Eccles, and they'll have a few games to try to sort everything out. Their non-conference schedule is not very difficult at all. They do have a three-way quarterback battle going on right now with Dante Moore, the five-star. I think he's going to end up winning it, but we'll see because the other guy's got experience on him, right? You got Colin Scheel from uh, Kent State. He's a guy who's played a lot of football, but Mac to Pac-12, it's a big jump too. And then Ethan Garbers is the other guy who's the backup last year, um, guy with some experience. But it's just, like I said, I feel like it's going to be more. And even if it's any of these other guys, I just, look, this is a Utah team that hasn't lost at home since 2018. You're going to hear me reference this uh, a couple times with some of these home games that Utah has coming up. They have three of the four games we're going to discuss today are home games for Utah 
And I do feel like that Utah is going to be able to take care of business uh, against this UCLA team that look, they're offensively, they should still be good. But once again, we've seen teams really struggle coming up to play at Salt Lake where this defense has been really dialed in. And speaking of defense too, let's look at the Bruins defense. Uh, Dean, Deanton Lynn, excuse me if I mispronounced that, but Lynn comes in as their new defensive coordinator. He was the safeties coach for the Ravens last year, but this defense was middle of the pack. And I don't even mean the, the, the normal phrase of that. Like literally they were middle of the pack 12 conference overall. So I just feel like they're going to have, they're going to have a hard time stopping this Utah offense. That'll be, especially if they got, do get a win against Baylor, they'll be feeling pretty good rolling. They'll be coming off kind of a cleanup or a tune-up game as a Weber State, which is kind of like, you know, like I said, obviously one, they'll play the guys in the first half. In the second half, you'll be able to rest the other dudes. So that's where, to me, Utah will be firing all cylinders. They'll be able to start off Pac-12 play, I do believe, with a win against UCLA. Because as I mentioned, I just none of these quarterbacks really scare me at the moment. Maybe I could be proven wrong by that for sure. If they get off to a hot start, Chip Kelly is a really good offensive mind. I ex- still expect this offense to be good but i think the best time to get a team with a young quarterback or just a new quarterback i should say is early on in the year because i think later on in the year they get more comfortable in the system operating in it and that's where it gets tougher from there and but especially with the defense i just i just don't think they'll be able to hang with utah so i do think they will utah will get a win there so that would put utah at four and one after their first five games and then they would have one more game before the upcoming bye, I believe, or actually I might be getting my schedule tripped up. Oh, that would actually. So Oregon State games, I said, I think that'll be lost. Then Utah would be licking their wounds. They have the bye after that. And then Saturday, October 14th, they would go in to take on Cal. So, and in this one too, Cal, when you talk about this is a team that in 2022 was 4-8 overall. They were 2-7 and seven in Pac-12 play. And this is going to be a well-rested Utah team. And that's a bad recipe for this Cal team to me. Um, Jack Spitaval, if I sorry if I mispronounced his name too, back as their offensive coordinator at uh after things didn't work out for him as the head coach at Texas State. But back when he was their OC back in 2016, this was an offense that averaged 37 points per game that led the Pac-12. But that was a long time ago, and the same level of talent isn't there. Yes, they got a transfer quarterback in Sam Jackson from TCU, but he's seen little to no action over the past two seasons. He's thrown a total of six passes in those two seasons. So. Just overall, I, I have a hard time believing this offense is going to make a jump back up to that 37 points per game average. And look, too, defensively, I know Justin Wilcox's defense should be a little better, but they are a team that gave up 429 yards per game last season. So that, is, to me, is really concerning if you're rooting for the Bears. And I know uh, Spencer McLaughlin, who uh, is as big a Cal apologist as Eddie would or just believer what they're going to be able to turn around and do this season. I know he's high on them, but I don't even think he would predict them to go into Utah and get a win because, as I mentioned, just, you know, it's a lot of the same things with UCLA, right? Like they're going to have new new quarterback, new system trying to come in, especially if this is a Utah team coming off a lost Oregon State, which they very well could be, or they're rolling off a win against Oregon State. I think they'll be locked in, ready to come in, and ready to go at home. Even if Utah's gotten off to a slow start, which they did a couple times last year, I I believe against Arizona and Stanford, they had a little bit of a slow start in the first quarter. And then as over the duration of the game, they just really locked in the offense, got on track. Everything started to click. And this team really started rolling because a couple slow starts did plague this team last year a lot. So that was something that put them behind the, against UCLA, right? Or excuse me, against USC. And uh, I do believe against UCLA as well, because I don't think they got off to a blazing hot start in that game either. But regardless, I just think that, this team, even if they did start a little slow, they'll be motivated, they'll be ready, they'll round in. I just don't think Cal has the talent to compete with this Utah team that is operating as as high a level as they ever had in Pac-12 play. They have all these returning starters. They have a couple of new guys who should be getting settled in by this point. Leovani Damuni is a guy who's faced Cal a few times now, so he should feel very comfortable with what the Bears are going to be throwing at him overall. So I do expect Utah to get a win here as well. So I do think we should, 
you talk about Utah, I think they will start off Pac-12 play probably 2-1. and one. I can definitely see 3-0, and oh, though. I think there's a chance they definitely go up to Corvallis and beat Oregon State. I just I want to be realistic about this, right? Like when I look at Utah not being undefeated going into their matchups against USC and Oregon. And look, they definitely can be, but it's just it is very rare and really hard to win on the road in college football. It's also something this team struggled with last year, right? They lost to UCLA on the road. They lost to Oregon on the road, too. So I think one of those games between Baylor and and then going up to Oregon State, both of who figure to be pretty good teams this year. With Oregon State, I'm especially high, and I do think Oregon State's going to be better than Baylor. That's why I have Utah beating Baylor, but not Oregon State. I just think one of those games, Utah's going to let, just going to end up losing it because it's just hard to go undefeated in college football. We've seen so many teams fail to do it, and the Pac-12 has cannibalized itself for the past few seasons, and I think that could once again be the case this coming season. And uh, part of the reason I think that is for the games we're going to talk about when we come back in a moment because the games against USC and the game against Oregon, too, I mean, those are just going to be battles they're gonna be brutal and it's gonna be a lot of fun because we all remember what happened with usc last year so we're gonna touch on those two games in a moment but first i want to talk to you guys about our friends at FanDuel sportsbook make a fast break to FanDuel during the nba playoffs because right now new customers can get a no sweat first bet up to two thousand five hundred dollars that's two thousand five hundred dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win Guys, FanDuel runs great promotions every day. They're a safe and secure app. You can get paid in your winnings instantly, and there's no better place to bet on all the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. The NBA playoffs and not just the NBA finals are well underway. Denver already leads at 1-0. I am recording this before game two tonight. I personally expect Denver to be up, so looking ahead to game three, do you guys think that Miami, if, if they're able to get a win in Sunday night's game, do you think they'll be able to keep that momentum up after stealing home court and get a win in their first home game of the series coming up on Wednesday? Then same thing for Denver. Are they going to be able to take a 3-0 lead? Will they be looking to take a series advantage after letting one slip away at home and tie the series at 1-1? One one? A lot of fun stuff to bet on. Jokic and Jimmy Butler, a lot of their player props too. You can head over to FanDuel and look at those. And once again, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All righty. Looking ahead now, as we said, I have them beating UCLA. I've been losing Oregon state and then beating Cal. So five and one at the moment, going into a very tough matchup on October 21st against USC. And this is a game that is going to be one of the more anticipated games, I believe overall in the college football slate. And I don't just mean, just in the Pac-12, I really think in general. I think when you look at the history between these teams, what played out last year is uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'll even go back to like, let's look back at Cameron uh, Cam Rising's game against them in 2021. That was kind of the first sign that this is going to be. I should say, you know what? Give him credit. The San Diego State was the first sign of what could really become because he did. I mean, did have. Uh, throw uh, 153 yards now and had the three touchdowns and everything, but that was still San Diego state and Utah still lost the game. So it's kind of like, okay, what can he be? He was fine against Washington state, but didn't have to throw a touchdown and Utah's 24 to 13 win in that one. But then went out to the Coliseum against the Trojans and this is back in 2021 once again and beat them 42 to 26. He threw 20, he threw completed 22 of his 20 passes, 306 yards and three touchdowns. Cam's absolutely locked in, dialed in. Also had ran into touchdown, six carries for 27 yards in that one. So Cam just got off to his first sign of being, to me, like I said, you could argue the comeback, but Utah didn't win that one. So the first win he had that he was dominant and gave us a glimpse that Utah could be a force in Pac-12 play to me after starting the season one and two was this win against USC. So then fast forward a year, 
that USC decides to make a change. Obviously, they bring in Lincoln Riley. They attract Caleb Williams over, who of course would go on to win Heisman. So they they come in the Rice Eccles is what I believe at the time they were the seventh ranked team overall, but they hadn't lost a game yet on the season there, and they jump out to an early lead. But Utah comes back off an unbelievable performance from Cam Rising and Dalton Kincaid. What did Cam do in that game? He completed thirty of his forty four passes. Had 415 passing yards, two touchdowns, also ran in three touchdowns in that one. Just one of the best performances we saw from a quarterback last season at 11 carries for 60 yards. And that doesn't include the two-point conversion he powered in, too, to give Utah that narrow. And that what once again was a fantastic game, that narrow 43-42 victory. And then, of course, the Pac-12 championship game where Utah fell behind 17-3. to Then Cam brings him back. He completed 22 of his 34 passes for 310 yards. At three touchdowns in that one through the air. Also had eight carries for 18 yards, but it was a little hampered up. But Cam is 3-0 and his career against USC. And this year, he's going to be traveling back out to the Coliseum in what was his first game where he and this Utah team showed what a force they could be in the Pac-12. And I think this is going to be a fantastic game. When you look at what Caleb Williams is the Heisman winner, he was very front. He, look, he's got a little rivalry with the Utah fans, right? Like, see, a lot of people go at him. And look, when you write what he wrote on his nails, you're going to catch a lot of that flack, too. I'm a huge fan of Caleb Williams, the player. I don't love all everything off, off the field, although I don't have a huge issue with a guy like just taking aim at another school because I know that's how I'm sure. Look, Utah didn't players didn't paint their nails, obviously, but I know that's how a lot of Utah guys feel about their opponent, right? Like, whenever you're playing the guy across from you, you want to do everything you can to beat him, right? Like, that's just how sports works. The competitiveness, like that is your enemy on the other side, basically. So that's where I don't have a huge issue with Caleb Williams and what he did and some of that stuff. As I've talked about on the show a little bit, just because I know that's how a lot of pro athletes operate. He just had wrote it on his nails. And I understand why that crossed the line for a lot of people. But either way, so I'm a big fan of Caleb Williams. Um, I think he's going to be the first overall pick at the coming draft. So the Utah defense is always is going to have their work cut out for them trying to contain him. And I'm very interested to see how this UCL, uh, US, excuse me, USC defense is going to be. We know that uh, Thule is off to the NFL. Thule Tupoilotu. I apologize for mispronouncing his name too. Been a rough one for pronunciation so far for me. Although I do think I got a couple of those early ones right, but I'm sure if I didn't, you guys in the comments will be quick to let me know. But um, he was, there, look, 13 sacks last season, one of the best pass rush in the country. He's gone. But they added some other really good players. Bear Alexander, great name, defensive lineman transferred in from Georgia. Then they got Oklahoma State linebacker Mason Cole to transfer and also have a couple of other talented players who are returning to the team too. So their defense should be a little better, but at the same time, I mean, it is Alex Grinch, right? Like he, he hasn't really had a good defense under Lincoln Riley ever. And I know that first year can be hard, but we'll see how much they can improve. I, I think middle of the pack is where Anything higher than that, I don't expect, just because then you're getting to the territory of we expect Utah to be up top, Washington State to be up top, both Oregon schools to be up top, too. And Cal's defense, we are not Cal's defense, but um, there's other defenses that could be vying for uh, a much improved spot, too. So that's why I just, it's hard for me to be like, oh, yeah, they're going to be a top six defense for sure, just because that, it's going to be hard with how they struggled last season so much. So overall, with Utah in this game, if I had to predict it, I do think Utah is going to find a way to go into the Coliseum and win. I think Utah is USC's kryptonite. When you talk about how Kyle Whittingham has outcoached Lincoln Riley in their two games, Andy Ludwig has had Alex Grinch's number. I think Morgan Scally and his defense, especially with the blitz protections they they dialed up last time, really affected Caleb Williams, and I know he was hurt and campered, but I thought they really figured things out in the two matchups against him. I do think Utah will go into the Coliseum and get another monumental win as they'll. it's going to be another one they barely eke out. I think it's going to be really high scoring. Caleb Williams and Cam will both play incredible games, but in the end, I do think the Utes make the extra play there, and I think they get it done against USC because that's all Cam Rising's done. 3-0 against the Trojans, and after 2023, I expect that to be 4-0. 
it's going to be fun to see when it all comes down on October 21st, as I know USC is excited to welcome Utah back to the Coliseum as they are a much different team than the last time Cam Rising first started there and, uh, and really lit them up. So I got another win for Utah there. So I think on the season for me now, that would put them at either, I think it's six and one at this point, if I'm trying to keep track of it all. But then that brings us to the Oregon game where uh, Utah will host Oregon on October 28th. Look, Bonix is back. He was one of the best quarterbacks in college football last year, not just the Pac-12. He was in the Heisman race, but then had that injury that really kind of took him out of it, really struggled against Utah, but once again was injured during that game and still played better than Cam Rising did in that one. But they, they return a lot of guys, this Oregon team does. Bucky Irving and Noah Winnington are back last year, and that duo combined for 1,837 rushing yards last season. You also got receiver Troy Franklin is back. Terrence, Terrence Ferguson, their tight end, is back too. And you got a new coordinator too in Will, Ste- in Will Stein, who was hired over from UTSA, who had a really good offense last year. And they have one of the – I remember when we were talking about college quarterbacks, big game Boomer had their quarterback in like his top 15. Part of that is the offense that Will Stein – crafted around him to showcase that player's talents too so i do think this was a good hire by them too and we know the ducks are going to be good defensively they brought in some strong guys i mean outside of the georgia game last year dan lanning and his defense were locked in um brandon dolores returns they have a few other key transfers coming in so this is going to be a tough game for utah and if this is one if utah was on the road i'd be like this is really hard to win but where is it at home where utah hasn't lost a true home game since 2018 so i am feeling pretty good about utah on this one once again i just feel like the the team is going to be clicking, especially if they're coming off the momentum of a win against USC. This is not an opponent you are going to take lightly whatsoever. I think this defense will be ready and want to have another shot at Bo Nix after holding him in check for the, so much of that game, and especially Cam Rising. I think he's really going to be able to have a better outing against Oregon. He was good against them back in 21, and we all remember what happened last time they came out to Britton Covey had his kick, uh, punt return, and half one of the most iconic plays in Utah football recent memory, and honestly, just Utah football history overall, probably that I can recall. Just Covey, such an incredible play by him late in that game with Kyle Whittingham using the timeouts, forcing them to punt just to give Covey a shot. Uh, what a gutsy and smart decision that was by Coach Witt to. Um, or not really gutsy, but just smart decision, honestly, because there wasn't really much risk reward there because New Covey wasn't going to fumble <laughs> in that scenario. But look, Utah has been great at home. I think that's going to continue against Oregon, as I mentioned. Oregon has a lot of talented players. I do think this game is going to be close, but once again, what's one of the best home field advantages in the Pac-12? And the Ducks have the other, probably the top two home advantages in the in the Pac-12. It's probably the Ducks up in Eugene and then the Utes in Salt Lake. And they remember what happened last time. I'm sure there's a few players on this roster who still were a part of that. So they'll be hungry to come in and get a win. And Bo Nix and this team are definitely capable of it. They have so much talent, as I just went through. But I, I just trust this Utah team, right? I think that Utah is going to be able to control the line of scrimmage a little bit on the, on the offensive end. And defensively, I think they're going to be able to do enough to slow down this rushing attack. And I just think they'll force Bo Nix into one or two turnovers. And that'll be the difference. And I, Bo Nix took care of the ball much better than he had at Auburn last season. So he does deserve a lot of credit for that. But I do think that, <coughs> excuse me, don't have a cough button since we got the new setup going still. Um, appreciate all of you for joining us too on our kind of like our new show setup on YouTube. If you guys haven't checked it out yet, make sure you guys do. Or we always appreciate you guys for listening on Apple Podcasts, of course, too. But either way, I do think that Utah is going to beat Oregon. So I think they're off to a fantastic start on the season. Not even fantastic start. I mean, we're over the midway point now. So just recapping it overall, I have wins against Florida, Baylor for this Utah team. Weber State, UCLA, the lost Oregon State, then three straight wins against Cal, USC, and Oregon. So Utah's sitting pretty going into their final four-game stretch of the season. That is something that 
really excites me overall. And I think all these are realistic too. I mean, and look, there's even a chance Utah could beat Oregon State, right? Like it's not out of the realm of possibilities Utah's undefeated going this. It's also not out of the realm of possibilities Utah has three to four losses, depending on the availability of Cam Rising, how the team performs against some of these really tough Pac-12 opponents. They're going to be Utah's going to get the best from everyone. I mean, this is back-to-back Pac-12 championships. They proved that the first one wasn't a fluke. There's so many talented players still on this roster from those teams. So that they're going to get the best from all their opponents. And I'm excited to see how they handle the task. And I do think they'll be able to do it against Oregon and USC late in their season. So on tomorrow's episode, we'll finish up the schedule breakdown by predicting the final four, which may be five games. If we have to predict a PAC 12 championship game as well, which spoiler alert, we're going to be predicting that, but that'll be on tomorrow's show. But I want to close it out with a quick thing on a Utah softball who saw their season come to a close over the weekend. What an incredible season it was for, Utah women's softball, I mean, for just Utah softball, excuse me, um, you know, the Pac-12 run, right? Like, l- let's go back to that. They ended the Pac-12 tournament. They're the 15th seed overall, I believe. Um, not in the tournament, but just uh, the 15th ranked team, excuse me. They beat Cal. Then they get wins against Washington and UCLA. That's back-to-back top five wins with Washington ranked fifth and UCLA ranked second. Utah only held each of those teams to only four runs, then won the Pac-12 championship, earned the right to host the regionals, right? They beat Southern Illinois and then Ole Miss in straight games. Lost the first game against San Diego State for hosting the Super Regionals. That was a huge deal. How is the team going to respond after only scoring four, three runs in their first loss? Well, they responded great, beating San Diego State 10-1 to and then 7-2 to last weekend. Then the Women's College World Series. They weren't even able to play their game on Friday night because of the weather delay. Just one of the crappy things sometimes that you deal with baseball and softball is the weather can have such an impact on it. So that was there. Utah lost their first game to Washington 1-4. to That put them in, in the that gave them their first loss in the two elimination kind of way it works in the Women's College World Series. And then they fell to Oklahoma State uh, by, excuse me, they didn't score a run. So lost 8 to nothing overall. But I'd rather focus on what an incredible season it was. No one thought this team was going to be in the women's college world series no one thought they were going to win the pac-12 tournament even going into it and they finished all that they finished 42 and 16 and their 724 winning percentage is the program's highest since 94 that's back when coach hogue was on the team and part of the previous team that went to the women's college world series too so hats off to amy hogue and her staff for getting this group to buy and all the seniors who helped lead as well to help this team have such an incredible season they achieved their highest total win since they also won 42 games in 2000 and achieved the highest conference win total since they joined the Pac-12. So they had some tough luck with those weather delays, as we mentioned. But overall, what an incredible season for Coach Hogue and her program to be able to get back to the Women's College World Series. And now it'll be exciting to see what they can do next year. They lose a lot, but I'd rather just, once again, it's always disappointing when you lost, but there's so many positives to take away from this season for Utah women's soft for Utah softball. So just hats off to them. What an incredible year, an incredible run, incredible performance. So many clutch plays in big games, and it was so much fun to watch and be a part of. And it's going to be cool to see what kind of the next step is after they were able to make it this year, if they're able to keep it going the next two years. But once again, just an incredible season and hats off to them. That's going to do it for today's edition of Locked On Utes. If you guys are looking for more content, you can check out some of our prior episodes, my part one of my schedule breakdown, some of the recruiting news last week. We will be covering more recruiting on this week's show as well. And you guys can also check out the Locked On Pac-12 podcast if you want more on media rights deal. I know we covered the everything going on there, the Utah to Big 12 rumors that still kind of run rampant or more so the fans who just want Utah to go to the Big 12, which I do understand why all of you want that. We'll talk about some more of that probably on this show too. But in the meantime, head over and check out Locked on Pac-12. That's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys as always for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.